Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. You see, our natural tendency is to pray it safe and just ask God to do stuff for us. Kind of like a genie in a bottle, only it's more like Jesus in a Bible. You know, rub it long enough, maybe something will happen good. We just want him to do this for me, just this one time, I promise. And, and fill in the blank with the promises we make then, right? Bless me, help me, heal me, look out for me. Punish those mean people that did something to me. And yet Jesus' prayer life was nowhere like that at all. Instead, his big boy prayer, his grown-up prayer, a prayer that was not safe, was this. Father, I'm willing to do whatever you need me to do today. Does that sound like your prayer? Or are you still praying safe? Will you make yourself available to God like that? I mean, I'm willing to do whatever you need me to do today. What if that means changing careers? What if it means changing addresses <laughs> again? What, what if it means changing the people in your life? What if it means, I don't know, God may do crazy stuff. He may make you a cat person instead of a dog person. I mean, he could raise somebody from the dead, but that's a little crazy. You know, I don't know if he can, God can do that. Know this, though. God will make his will known to you. The question is, how will you respond when he does? If you're used to praying it safe, you may be like Jonah. <laughs> you remember the story of Jonah, right? Big fish, all that. Ah, that's crazy. Except this principle is not. Because many times we find ourselves struggling not to be like Jonah because, like him, we frequently will tell, tell him, God, you're wrong. I know what's best for me. Now, we may not phrase it that way. We may find ourselves phrasing it something like this. Well, I know, what's, I know that's what the Bible says, but, and then fill in the blank, right? And what comes after the but is what we think is best for us. In, in Jonah chapter 1, verses 3 and also verse 9, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. I want you to get up and I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked his people are. Now, that right there is enough to convince us that God doesn't know what he's talking about because we don't believe in wickedness anymore. <laughs> right? Or at least that's how we act. And we certainly don't believe that there will be any kind of judgment or accountability or responsibility for the wickedness in our life. And yet God tells Jonah, I've had enough. And here's Jonah's response. <laughs> he gets up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Does that sound like a prayer of availability to you? Does that sound like somebody that's willing to say, God, I'll do whatever it takes, whatever you want? 
uh, get up and go in the opposite direction away from God? Hmm. Later on, in the middle of a storm, Jonah would describe himself this way. Now remember, he's gotten up, he's determined to get away from God, and yet he describes himself this way, I'm a Hebrew, God's people. I'm one of God's people. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Really? You got up and went the opposite direction for the intent purpose of getting as far away from God as you could, and you're still claiming to be one of God's people who worships God? You got a funny way of showing it, Jonah. But that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Even take away the big fish thing. That sounds awfully familiar. But it reminds us of how dangerous prayer can be in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, when in the belly of the fish, Jonah reflects on his relationship with God when God gave him a timeout, except it wasn't in the corner, just the back corner of the fish. And he says, in my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. Yay, God answers prayer, right? Uh, this is how God answered him. You hurled me into the very heart of the seas, and all of your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yes, that's an answer of prayer. It may not be the Jesus in a Bible answer that we're looking for, but it's an answer to a very sincere prayer. Because when God answers prayer like that, look at Jonah's response. He says, and yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. Funny how God can change our, our minds, isn't it? In chapter 3, verses 10 through 4, 2, it says, When God saw what the Ninevites had done and how they'd put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind. He did not carry out the destruction. He had threatened them. And this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry. Hmm. So he complained to the Lord about it. And here's what he said. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. <laughs> and there it is. God, you're wrong. I know what's best for me. Matter of fact, I not only know what's best for me, I know what's best for them people over there in Nineveh. You need to listen to me. And when God doesn't listen to Jonah, what's he do? <laughs> He gets mad and pouts. You see, that's what happens when we claim to worship God, but keep praying it safe, demanding God do what we think is best. Have you ever felt compelled to do something and then talked your, yourself out of it because ah, that can't be what God wants me to do? You can't have it both ways. Claiming to worship God, claiming to be one of God's people like Jonah did, and yet at the same time, really worshiping your own opinion of what you think is right and best. Because when you do that, don't be surprised if God decides to get your attention to remind you that He's really God, not you. If you're used to praying it safe and you didn't recognize yourself in the mirror looking like Jonah. You may be a little bit like Moses. 
who when God called him, said, you're wrong, God. Send somebody else. For all those times when you've sat and thought, I just wish I knew exactly what God wanted me to do. Moses had that experience. God told Moses exactly what he wanted him to do at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. He couldn't have been more clear. Now go, he tells Moses, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Is that how you pray it safe? You want to draw near? You want to know what God wants you to do in your life? But then you start second-guessing Him when He tells you as plain as the nose on your face what He wants you to do? In verse 4 of Exodus 3, When the Lord saw Moses coming near, He called him by name to the, from the bush, and Moses answered, Here I am. Sounds like a good start. And a little bit later, in verse 7 and 8, God tells him, he says, I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry of distress. I'm aware of their suffering. I've come to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own land. And Moses is probably thinking, it's about time, God. Just a little parentheses, okay. Does that sound maybe a little bit like, maybe a little bit like what the people of Ukraine might be feeling right now? God, do you hear our, do, do you see the oppression of my people? God, do you hear our cries of distress? Because all I hear is more bombs and explosions. God, are you aware of our suffering? God, why don't you come rescue us? Hmm. And what if, I mean, this is crazy talk, right? But what if God said, like he did Moses, I'm sending you. <laughs> you're sending me? Have you seen me? Do you see? You're really going to send me and I'm going to settle all that business over there? Moses thought it was just that crazy. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? It would be just as crazy, and, and, and our response would be very similar. Who am I to go to Ukraine? Who am I to go to Russia? Who am I to go stand before Putin? And Moses goes on to ask some very legitimate questions. What if they've got questions about you? He says, well, I am who I am. What if they won't believe me? I'll do the impossible to prove it to them. Well, what if I mess up? I've never been good at this kind of thing. I'm not good at speaking. I'll tell you what to say. And then finally, Moses just says what most of us would find ourselves saying if we were going to pray it safe. God, just send somebody else. Because I, I don't want to. I just, I didn't want to have to say it out loud, but I don't want to. 
Well, how about if I send your brother with you? And I'll be with both of you. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But there's plenty of times when God does just that, right? When he makes us feel uncomfortable because we want to get close to God, we want to draw near to him, but we really want him to leave us alone. You know, we just want to go stand on the other side of the glass and watch the lions. We don't want to be in there with him. We just want to go watch him. I'm curious enough to find out more about God, but I'm not committed enough to follow through on what he asked me to do. Don't be surprised if God calls your bluff, just like he did with Moses. Or maybe, maybe you're more like Isaiah. If you're used to praying it safe, God just may push you like he did Isaiah. When, when Isaiah's response is, you're worthy, God, so I'm willing. In chapter 6, verse 8, he says, I heard the voice of the Lord say, who will I send? Who will go on our behalf? And here are some things that Isaiah did not say in response to God. You will not find this in Scripture. Well, what's the climate like over there this time of year? Are there beaches? What's in it for me? Because if I leave, what about my 401k? What about my, is, is there a bump in pay, you know, 30% or, or what are the benefits? Do I still get a vacation? It's not in scripture that Isaiah asked that of God. But here's what Isaiah did say in response to God. When God said, who will I send? Who will go on our behalf? Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Are you willing to make yourself available to God like that? Even if, even if God says, go or stay, I, I'm willing. If God says, be quiet or speak up, I, I'm willing. If God says, volunteer with your weakness or volunteer in your strength, are you willing? Whatever, whenever, wherever, are you willing, like Isaiah, to say to God, Here I am, God. I'll go. That is not a safe prayer. Because when you pray that prayer, send me, just like Jesus did in coming to save us from our sin, God will interrupt your life and he'll make it uncomfortable for you if that's what it takes to accomplish his will that brings honor and glory to him. So what is it then that makes somebody willing to surrender their life to God like that? People who make themselves available to God have an awareness of who God really is. At least that's Isaiah's experience in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on a lofty throne, and his train of his robe filled the temple. And attending him were the mighty seraphim, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. 
And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its very foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. My guess is that my willingness to be available to God is going to be determined by how aware I am of who God really is. If you've never experienced his overwhelming presence, it's not because he's holding back on you. Scripture tells us in James 4 that if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. If you feel like God is distant, you know the line, who moved? It wasn't God. Because if God feels distant, if you're casually nonchalant about serving Him or obeying Him, if you're adamantly arguing with God, it's probably because you've lost sight of who God really is. What is it that makes somebody willing to surrender their life to God? People who make themselves available to God have an awareness of who they really are. Isaiah 6, 4 and 5, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah's response to who God is reflects an understanding of who he is. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among people with unclean lips. Now, I don't mean it. It sounds like what my grandpa told me when I first tried, tried to grow a mustache. Hey, your lip's dirty. You need to wash that. <laughs> of course, he also said something about the south end of a northbound horse, but except he didn't use the word horse. Uh, but that was my grandpa. Isaiah is simply saying, God, do you know what I've said? How are you going to get past that? Do you know what everybody I live with says about you? How is there any hope? Later in his writing, Isaiah would describe it this way in chapter 64, verse 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. And when we proudly display our righteous deeds, God sees them as nothing but filthy rags. Paul would come to the same conclusion in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. And he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Or in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. But I don't care. I consider them as garbage so that I might gain Christ. What is it that makes somebody willing to surrender their life to God? The people who make themselves available to God not only are aware of who He is and who they are, but they're also aware of the grace of God. And that was what motivated Isaiah. In verse 6 and 7, one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And with it, he touched it to my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. And here's the phrase that we cling to, to hear God say, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Imagine. Imagine the lies that you've told. 
forgiven. The damage that you've done to relationships, forgiven. The self-centeredness that drove decisions that drove you away from God and others as well, perhaps, forgiven. Every secret sin that only God knows, forgiven. Everything that's alienated you from God, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. No wonder the only automatic response that came to Isaiah's mind. Whatever you need, you can count on me. So will you keep praying it safe? Or will you make yourself available to God? Like Isaiah. I'm here, God. Send me. God's given me his peace. So that when I encounter someone who needs his peace, he can provide it to them in a very tangible flesh and blood way. Through me. God has given me hope because he knows that my path is going to cross someone who is going to eventually need that hope. And he'll be able to give them that hope through flesh and blood like me. And he's given me abilities and experiences, not all, the, not all of them very great. But he's given me those to enable me to serve his purpose at this point in time in history. That's why an attitude of, I've got to volunteer because nobody else will, makes no sense. Our perspective needs to be, wow, I wonder what opportunities God will give me today. Making yourself available to God is not a one-time prayer, but an ongoing, every day, pick up your cross and follow me, surrender type of choice. God has placed his spirit within every believer. And his idea is that that should make a difference. Listen to what he says. Those who live according to their natural instincts have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit of God have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So what are you dwelling on? What God wants you to do? What God pushes you to do? What God's making you uncomfortable thinking about doing? Or simply, wow, God, you can count on me. You are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit of God who lives in you. If you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you don't, have, you don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit's alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him, and here's the Easter part, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead can also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who lives in you. God can do that. 
as crazy as it sounds that Jesus was raised from the dead, it's just as crazy that God could do something like that in us. But it depends on whether our response to him is, here I am, Lord, but I ain't going there. Or like Moses, here I am, Lord, isn't there somebody else to do that? Or is it more like Mary? the mother of Jesus, who said, may it be done to me just what you have said. Or may it be like Jesus, who said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, the more I follow the lead of Jesus, the more available to God I'll be. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because he refused to play it safe. He refused to pray it safe. I'll do whatever you want. As a matter of fact, the contemporary English version of Matthew 26, 42 has Jesus saying this, Father, if there is no other way and I must suffer, I will still do what you want. Man, that is not praying it safe. Because praying it safe says, God, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be uncomfortable. God, make it stop. And then I'll think of it. No, he says, if that's what it takes, I'm willing. So why do so many people who call themselves Christians insist on praying it safe instead of making themselves available like Isaiah, like Jesus? Maybe it's because they never really thought about it before, but more than likely it's because they're afraid to give God that kind of permission. Who knows what he'll ask, right? What if he asked me to sell everything, go be a missionary in Africa, and never see a real toilet again? I, he might do that, but it's more likely he'll call you to be a missionary where you work. It's more likely he'll ask you to serve where you are with the people that are already in your life. It's more likely that he'll nudge you to stop talking so much so that you can genuinely hear what the people around you are saying. It's more likely that he'll ask you to downsize your life so that you can get out of debt and maybe be able to help others when they need it. Or maybe he'll ask you to... Oh, this is crazy talk. Maybe he'll ask you to be willing to pick up a cross and die to self so that you can serve others like he did. You can keep on praying it's safe or you can offer God a prayer of availability. <laughs> There's an old devotional song years ago. Some of you may recognize it. That prayer of availability may not have sounded very flowery, but it was simply this. I'm yours, Lord, everything I've got, everything I am, Lord, everything I'm not. I'm yours, Lord, try me now and see, see if I will be completely yours. The Easter message is the story of God bringing the dead back to life. And that's what happens when we offer ourselves to God in sacrifice and service. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not.
wherever, whenever, whatever, whoever, however, here am I, send me. That's what made the message of Easter a reality. David, why don't you and the praise team join me back up on stage, and we'll wrap up with this. That same life after death message is the reason for our hope when we trust God to bring us life. For example, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, he describes a different resurrection Easter message like this in a very personal way. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? It's another way of saying His death became our death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may live a new life. That's our hope. New life after dying to self. He describes that in verse 13. The Living Bible paraphrases it this way. So give yourselves completely to God because you've come back from death and want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for His good purpose. So, will you make yourself available? Will you continue praying it safe? Or will you, like Isaiah, will you, like Jesus, say, Here I am, God. Send me. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.